imagine being a 19 year old lad and you're earning hundreds of thousands of pounds. I remember the first time that I got a hundred grand in my bank account. This is Mitchell Halliday. I walked out and there was literally 2,000 people from Brazil, just all in this one room, just waiting for me. This is absolutely mental. Mitchell Halliday is the 25-year-old makeup megastar who has created his very own global, international, multi-million pound brand made by Mitchell. From hosting one-to-one -one classes in Bolton to touring the world with his very own masterclass to now being TikTok's number one selling brand. So I opened my mind up and we did it and we never looked back. At one point, Made by Mitchell turned over $2 million in just two weeks on TikTok. And in this conversation, Mitchell talks about how it's not always been plain sailing when it comes to his finances. And he's come so close to losing it all many times before. I need to stop doing this because mm. I'm, I've worked my fucking ass off and I'm absolutely ruining myself. It's safe to say that Mitchell's story is a special one and he's one of the most humble guys I've ever met. So get ready to learn another life lesson on learning as I go. Finally made it happen. Yes, we did. It's We've been, been a long time coming, Scott. About it for a little while now, but we have got international, global superstar makeup artist Mitchell Halliday. Welcome to Thank the Linda Studio. Scott. It's a lovely introduction. Thank no, you. It, do you know what? It's it's mad though, isn't it? Really, because when you're around, like you're such a nice, humble, warm guy, and you're obviously friends with a lot of my friends and everything mm -hmm. else. But you are global. You're a big star. Yeah, I feel like I've um, been doing this since I've been so young. So I think when you've been in a world that kind of it doesn't feel like I'm anything different you Can know we just what I mean touch so on this, by the way because every time I meet Mitchell it sends me under because I, I say to him how old are you and he's 25 yeah and it, you've achieved so much in such a short period of Do time you know what's so mental as well when I think about that is obviously the last few years I've achieved amazing things but I actually achieved a lot of my stuff before I was 20 like I traveled the world before I was 20 and I had massive collaborations with huge bands before I was 20 and obviously then COVID hit and things did take a bit of a slowdown at some point, but then it picked back up, obviously, as it does. It's never never forever, is it? But I do look back at my career and even my life, and I'm like, I did so much so young, and it, I'm fucking proud of myself. Like, it's, you should it, be. It when, but you don't, you don't, it's not until you stop and think, is it, that you actually realize what you've done. Like, normally when I'm on a flight, I'll look through just my pictures of over the years, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, I've been But let's put it busy. into context for someone, for, like, for a new listener, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. So obviously, You've got your brand now, Made by mm -hmm. Mitchell, which is just global now. And it's been stocked in the likes of Harrods mm -hmm. and, and just like internationally. Yeah, yeah. Um, you've been on tour with some of the biggest like names in the industry, like Jeffree Star. Mm -hmm. and, and this is all, like you said, when you were so young. Yeah. Where did it start, Mitchell? Like, because I know there's a little backstory as well. Like, you were a singer before. I know you yeah, had a little yeah. stint on X Factor. Well, uh, well, I know that you've done your research. Yeah, I watched that, your X Factor last unfortunately. night. Unfortunately. But yeah, so I've, I, from being a young age, my mum always used to say, before I could talk, I was singing. Um, so that was just kind of a natural progression for me. I'd done my singing classes, been to drama school, as you do when you're a kid and you've got a hobby. Mm. And then I met one of my friends who, at the time, she was a bit older than me, but she was doing gigs round in the pubs, the clubs and mm. stuff like that. So I just naturally started doing that. I was about 15 at the time, but obviously- Are you from Bolton? Are you from Bolton? Bolton yeah, where yeah. starting them from. Um, but 
again, I was 15 at the time. So at that point, you weren't even allowed to be in pubs at that age, right. like on a night out, yeah, you're not allowed to be in the pubs. But uh, somehow I was 15 and singing in them. So yeah, I don't know how that happened. The, my stage name was Mitch Mitchell. <laughs> oh, okay. Only because my agent got my name wrong and thought right. I, I had two names that were Mitch. So you had an agent at that age. Yeah, you must have yeah. been pretty good then. I had, uh, yeah, I, well, I was. I was good. It was, uh, again, in that industry as well, it's, um, it's a very like saturated industry of a lot of older people that have mm. been doing it for like 40, 50 years. And I was, I guess, a bit, a bit, a bit of fresh air for people. And again, I think everyone knows in any industry, you've got to, you've got to modernize, you've got to evolve in whatever way you can. But yeah, so then I started singing in the clubs, in the pubs. Nobody listened. It was hilarious, really, looking back at it. All these old men listening to this 15-year-old <laughs> little kid sing Elvis. What kind it of was, songs were you singing, like Elvis? All, honestly, all, all kinds. Elvis, Motown. Now and then I'd put in a bit of like a, a pop record just to get all the oldies up. But yeah, so I did that and then I went to music college in Manchester, actually. It's called Access to Music. Right. I don't think it's here anymore, but I went to college and through that I got scouted to go on to X Factor and they put me in a boy band, which is just hilarious because I just don't think I'm meant to be in a boy band. Yeah, it was quite, it was, I'm not going to lie, it was quite an odd looking boy band. Yeah, it was, it was very, I think they were trying to be... What, was it same managers as All Saints or something? Yeah, yeah, right? same managers of All Saints. And they, I think they were trying to make it very diverse, which is obviously very yeah. cool. You know, like, it's like when a brand sometimes has, like, a token gay guy or yeah, a token yeah, yeah, black yeah. girl. Like, it, that's what the band felt like yeah. to me. So it never felt really authentic. But I just went for it and I just thought, you never know what's going to come out of this. And that's how I've always been. Even if you don't not promise something, just just try it. You know mm. what I mean? So um, we went on The X Factor, got through our first audition, we went to boot camp, got through that. Then we went to, it was the first year of six chair challenge. I remember it. So we did six chair challenge. We got a chair. We were buzzing because that was like the most scariest thing probably we've ever done at that point. Then do you remember the year it was? They had Bradley and someone else. And I can't remember his other name, but it was the ones that had an argument over uncooked chicken. Right. It was the, the two gay guys. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It, up it. Like they ended up being asked to come back and we swapped the chair for them. Anyway, long story short, after that, I was just kind of like, I think I was about 17, maybe but wait a second, eight. so you lost the chair on X Factor? Yeah, lost I, the chair. I remember hearing that. That was a massive oh, I, moment for you. It was well, like heartbreaking. On the, yeah, looking back, I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> come on. But again, in that moment, I was like, this is everything I've ever worked for. And again, I think when you're growing up singing, you see X Factor as like the, mm. the peak of your career even though it's really not that. and But again, you're young, aren't you? You're mm. naive and you're vulnerable. And I remember it was like, what am I going to do? Mm. That, this is all I've ever done yeah, all my life. That, so That's the reason I wanted to talk about it because that would have been one of your first knocks. Yeah, yeah. Oh, in, that was definitely life. my first my first big knock anyway. And it was that was the whole reason that I kind of, I kind of sat singing in for a little bit. I was kind of like, I just, I need a change. Mm. Um, I'm sick of going to clubs and pubs every weekend. Nobody really listening singing a song, nobody clapping. It's mm. just not like, wow. it's not very validating and everybody needs a bit of validation at some point. But it's them um, developing uh, Exactly. Skin, I, yeah, oh, absolutely. And I'm glad, I'm glad I went through it all. Mm. Um, but then at the time, one of my friends had just opened a salon, Pout Patrol. I think you actually were with Pout Patrol. Oh, was it Anna? Anna, Anna and Rosie. Wow. And you, you just did an event for one of their yeah. masterclasses yeah. way back when. So I, I started working there. I was working there on a Saturday, kind of just, coasting doing whatever they needed me to do and then I started slowly picking up makeup brushes it just then spiraled really because I found something that I loved even more than I loved singing and performing and I think it was because I've always been such a people person and it was a real thing where whereas with my singing I was even though I was trying to entertain people 
it wasn't very um, catered. So these people in the audience probably didn't want to listen to a 15-year-old mm. singing at Elvis. It probably wasn't on the yeah. on the list of what they wanted to do. But when I was doing these makeup appointments, people were coming to me for a purpose. They'd seen my work and then they'd liked my work and then they'd wanted their my work on their face. So it just felt way more validating and it felt like I was doing more for someone else as mm. well. I was making someone feel way better. But wait a second, talk to me about the moment you realised you had a talent. Because you just said this, you threw it out there then, just like I picked up some brushes. There must have been a moment where you're going, shit, I'm good at this. I think growing up with, like I had two sisters, two right. older sisters. And growing up with two sisters, you'd kind of, especially being like the gay brother, mm. you are kind of, you're always around makeup, right, always. Okay. It's just kind of a natural thing. And were there. you wearing makeup growing up as well? Or? I'd, I'd, I, well, in school, I'd shave my eyebrows off for some reason. So I used to draw my eyebrows on. So I would make was always, <laughs> yeah. What would you mean? Why would you do that? I genuinely, I wouldn't, could not tell you. Right, I think okay. I was just going through a bit of a phase of right. being like, I'm cool. I'm really different. So you and, shave them off and then draw them back on. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I wanted them to be a certain wow. way. Um, so yeah, makeup was always in my world, but it was never like one day I just picked up a makeup brush and it was like light bulb. It was just never right. that. I'd, it would always, it had always been a part of my life. My sisters were two glam girls. So I've always been around it. So yeah, it was, I think, when I really realized that I could do something with it, I was getting fully booked every weekend for clients. And then it got to the point where I was dedicating all my weekends to this. I was still doing my singing at this point in the pubs and the clubs. So I was working from like 6 a.m. in the morning till 6 p.m. doing clients, fully booked. And then I'd go and do my my turns in the in the old men's clubs. And <laughs> this is mental. No, it is mental. But um, so I, I dedicated my entire weekend. I couldn't go out on, on a Saturday night with all my mates because... I was working and I had to be up on the Sunday to do my clients. Mm. So I think I got to reach the point where I was like, right, I don't want to do this on a weekend anymore. So I sacked my um, gigs in altogether. And then I started picking up um, doing one-to-one lessons. Mm. So I'd do that through the week, Monday to Friday, and they got fully booked. It was, nobody was really doing it back then. So I was one of the first to do it, made a real move with it. Cause again, it was what well, was one of the first to do it. And um, then I thought I can really do something with this now. And I think that's when I really started to realize that I can not only monetize on something, but that I can take this way bigger than just Manchester. Mm. But what gave you the initiative then to do that, those once one Unless you said it was, you were one of the first to do it. That's like kind and, of bold. Again, it's, it's, that, it's that idea of helping someone. It's, it's like you always want to just like further someone else while you're furthering yourself. It's, it doesn't always have to be such a, a one-sided thing. And I have grown up in a world of social media. Like in school, we all had Instagram. Mm. Whereas I know a lot of people in our industry probably didn't have Instagram growing up. So yeah, yeah. I've always had a sense of community in a way. Mm. Um, and that was just my way of reaching out to my community mm. saying, I'd love to teach you how I do makeup. And that's kind of how it mm. spiraled into what it was. But it sounds like you've always had that sense of like, we talk about hustle culture. It seems like you've always been like grafting oh, from an age. Where like, does that come from? My mum and my dad. Like right. my dad, he was a bus driver for 47 years or something crazy like that. My mum, unfortunately, stopped working maybe about 15 years ago because she had breast cancer. All good now, though. She's all mm. clear. But she's always been a grafter. I remember growing up, my mum would work the nights and my dad my dad had worked the days and they'd swap. And th- th- growing up around that year, it's in your blood, isn't it? Like, mm. that's just inevitable. I was always going to be like that because mm. my mum and dad never had much, but they always they were always happy. Even in times when they probably found it really hard to be happy, they've, they've found a way. Mm. Um, so I think it is just that. It's it's inside you, isn't it? It's ingrained into, into you to say that if you want something, if you want happiness or if you want a new bag or whatever you want, you need, you've got to work for it, whether it's mm. a holiday or 
even just like I said, happiness. Mm. You've got to you've got to work at it. I've I've read before as well that you you kind of um, brought up in a really supportive household. Oh, yeah. It must have been easy being a young gay guy growing up like in high school and everything else. What was that like? Because have you always been as out there and as creative, creative as you are? Because I've talked before the, the podcast started. Everywhere I go, when Mitchell walks in, oh, he, yeah. he lights up the room, <laughs> makes an entrance. You're flamboyant. You're out there, and yeah. you just you, you fully own who you are. Have you always been able to do that? I think I've always been very flamboyant and mm. through primary school, I was always just, I think, I think primary school, when I was in primary school anyway, kids weren't as judgmental in a way because I don't think you've got as much, um, you, you you don't really have as much judgment of the world then. Right. You're a bit, I think you're a bit more pure when you're in primary school. Right, okay. And when you get to high school, obviously then people start developing and they, they might get a phone and they might have perceptions of people that maybe you wouldn't have had before. So when I got into high school, year seven, year eight, I got really badly bullied, but I'd still never let that kind of get in my way. Yeah, it was really hard. But then when it came to year nine, I was like, I'm not toning myself down for anyone. I'm just going for it full throttle because these people, I won't know them in a few years. So that's just always been But that takes courage me. though. Yeah, it does take courage. That, that, that means because you had that support at home, it kind of empowered Absolutely. you to be Absolutely. Without that, I wouldn't have been able to be the person I am because again, like I've never come out to my mum and my dad. It was just never that, oh yeah, mum, I'm gay, dad, I'm gay. <laughs> and I'm so blessed that I've had that because I know not everyone has that. And so wait a second, what, what actually did happen? It was just always kind of under, underlying. Well, I fell in there. love with a boy on Facebook um, <laughs> from LA when I was 14 years old. Never been to LA. So I just, I was depressed. Well, I thought I was depressed. <laughs> um, so funny looking back. But yeah, I fell in love with this lad. It's called Ben or something. And um, I was just so down about it. And I think maybe I wasn't necessarily so down about him. I was probably more down about the fact that I couldn't find what my friends had at the time. Like all my friends had boyfriends in yeah. school. And I was probably trying to search for something like that close by, but couldn't find it because... Mm. When, you, when you're young as well, there's not not everyone's just gay like you are straight. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of the gay people will be nervous to come out and that's completely understandable. But I think because I was never really scared of that, I was I was kind of a bit advanced in a way where I was like, I'm ready to have a boyfriend, even though I definitely wasn't. But, but you come from a working class family, your dad's a bus driver. Yeah. How did he deal with that at the time? My like... dad has just always said, my dad is the most loveliest man you will ever meet. Honestly, he has the heart of gold. He believes everyone should just be treated equally. And that's literally how I am. Amazing. Um, but he's just always said, as long as you're safe, like that's, that's wow. all I want. As long as you're safe and as long as you're happy. And again, I'm I'm fully aware that not everyone has that that surrounding. Mm. And it makes it, it actually breaks my heart because that's all everyone anyone needs is that mm. just support. But I was just very blessed that I didn't necessarily have to explain things that don't actually yeah. matter. Because I think a lot of the troubles that come from like in adulthood is a lot of it stems back from childhood and obviously mm -hmm. I've done a lot of work in therapy and everything else and people have abandonment issues and they don't mm -hmm. feel secure at home and it kind of impacts the way they act and everything else but yeah. I think one of the big things I want to talk to you about is like obviously how you stayed so humble but it sounds like that is a massive determining factor you came from a really yeah. grounded supportive household it is and, and it's that doesn't mean I've never like got ahead of myself at times mm. like god there's been times where I've like just been like oh I'm the only person on the planet no one could touch me of course like when you grow and you, you, you've got all these people that are just blowing smoke up your bum. Mm. It does happen. And mm. it's it's completely normal for it to happen. It's just you've got to have someone to check you or, mm. or to check yourself. Mm. Um, so I've, I'm not saying I'm perfect and I've always been like this, like, saint. But again, it is the journey of it. And you've got to, you've got to own the times when you're not necessarily the most humble and be like, but actually, this yeah. could all come crashing down tomorrow, really. 
let me let me sort myself out because I always say that it's that that saying, isn't it, of who you meet on the way up is who you'll meet on the way down. So Ooh. just be just be good to everyone. Yeah. Just just treat everyone how you expect to be treated. Yeah. No matter whether they've got followers, we've got money. None of that, it, none of it matters. It's all imagination. Mm. And again, it could all just come crashing down you're tomorrow. Right. So, I love that. So let's let's go back to the, to the start of your journey. Then, so obviously, you're doing the one to one makeup um, tutorials, mm -hmm. lessons with, with your um, yeah, yeah yeah with your clients. And then, how did it kind of grow from there? What was the next steps from there? So, I got an email one day from someone in Rhode Island, and Where's they were that? asking. It's just above New York. Yeah, I love the way you just said Rhode Island. Like, you should know where it is. That's how well traveled you are. Yeah, yeah, I am very well. I'm very blessed to be so well traveled. Like I've when I was younger, I went half these places yeah. I never even dreamt of going to because I didn't even know they existed. But I got an email from someone in Rhode Island asking for me to go and do a masterclass for them. So I went over, did it. It was amazing. I didn't even have a visa to go over and work there because I didn't understand any of it. I was like, oh yeah, I can just go over as a tourist. Sorry, just to dive in there, why would they ask you? Did, were you on social media? Yeah, so this is, this is, I was kind of growing my following and again, my style had become very idolized in a way. Right. Um, is this so, on Instagram at the time? Yeah, okay. only Instagram then. Right. I mean, a bit of YouTube here and there, like okay. when it was the days of YouTube makeup tutorials, um, but mainly Instagram. So I went and did that. And I just, when I was there, I was like, I can't believe I'm in five minutes away from New York, basically. I'm here teaching people that I've never met before on the other side of the world. Right. Like, it was insane. And I, then that's when I thought, like, I can really do something with this. So then I, another one popped up in um, Buenos Aires in Argentina. So I went over and I met this beautiful woman called Natasha and she stayed with me ever since because she then kind of started managing me on that side of the world because the makeup over there is was very my style and it was very carnival, very flamboyant, like mm -hmm. you say. It was just very extra. Are you that then, good though, Mitchell? That You're that good, right, that someone in Argentina is going to fly you over there to a masterclass. That's yeah, crazy. It, it was crazy, it was crazy. And the demand was there back then as well because, again, it was nobody was really doing it. So then I did, did the one in Argentina and then flew home. And then I remember um, Natasha, who I still speak to to this day. She's literally an amazing woman. She'd messaged me in Spanish. So I was trying to translate it. Uh, but basically she said, I want you to do a Latin America tour. So cut a long story short, I did something like, I think it was 24 countries in four months in wow. Latin America. So I started off in Peru and then worked all the way around through the countries, Bolivia, Brazil, I did Brazil five times and all the different places. And how old were you at this point? Um, I was, I think I was 19 at this Jeez. point. 19 turning 20. And is this, when you say the demand was there, were they following you like on your socials? Oh yeah, absolutely. It really? Was, as I was going to each place, my following was growing. And again, my, at one point, say Brazil or Argentina was my most um, highly followed Shut part of my demographic. Up. It was That's insane. It was, it's, I, I remember the one that, I'll always, that will always stick to me is um, we was in Sao Paulo in Brazil. Again, I was not very in the loop with everything because, again, they all spoke either Portuguese or Spanish. Obviously, I speak Bolton. Um, <laughs> so I don't really understand any of that. Um, I never have done, probably never will do. Como te llamas? <laughs> that was literally me the entire time. Um, but yeah, then I um, hadn't found out anything about this. And obviously, they, they give you this grand entrance. And I walked out and there was literally 2,000 people from Brazil just all in this one room just waiting for me. And I was like, this is absolutely mental. And again, that'll always stick with me because I'm like, that's when I really realized that it doesn't really matter where you're from. As long as you've got like that reach and your network and you know how to do it and how to create a community, then you're literally unstoppable in, mm. in so many ways. Who were you traveling with at the time? Were you on your own? By myself, yeah. What? Traveled the world by myself at 19. I actually, I, I think about it now and I'm like- On your own? Were you not I'm lonely? Like, 
Oh, I was very, when I came back, I was, it was, it was the best few months of my life, but the hardest few months of my life. Because again, when you're just in these places, nobody speaks English. And you're like, you're just, for you. all, all you're doing is, you go into a lot of these places where people tell you it's really dangerous. Like I went to Venezuela once. It was genuinely the most beautiful country I've ever been to. People, the most beautiful. But before I went, I was told that I'd, I need to be careful there. You need to be careful mm. everywhere you go. It's just, you never know, do you? But I remember I actually got to the airport and I got escorted by the army to my hotel because it was that like kind of what? that high alert there at the time. And it was even that I was like, I'm being escorted by the Venezuelan <laughs> army. Like I'm the, this kid from West Orton and that somehow this has happened. It was insane. But yeah, it was it was it was hard because again, when you're alone all that time and you're constantly listening to other people talk for you because you can't speak the language. At the end of it, I was like, I just cannot wait to get home. But that's interesting though, because one of the, the, the defining moments for me was getting really comfortable in my own skin. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember I went to Abu Dhabi once on my own and it was just, I've only done one trip away on my own, but like, you don't get a minute away from yourself and you mm -hmm. grow so much from that. Oh, I think, absolutely. Like, obviously one thing, even when even the way you sat here now, you're so confident, you're so assured within yourself. Mm -hmm. It feels like you've done a lot of like, like internal growth, not just like growing up as a, as a lad, but yeah. just like a lot of growth. I think, I think for me, I've done it subconsciously. Yeah. Cause it's not, I've kind of been in situations where I've had to be grown, mm. especially when I was doing that big tour. I couldn't just be like, mom, can you do this? For exactly. Like, and all, I couldn't just be like, mom, I'm feeling shit today. Like I, I couldn't do any of that. So it, it's not that I was being like, I'm on this journey, even though I was, but it, it wasn't intentional. And I think sometimes that's the best kind of growth when you you do it without realizing sometimes 100%. because it, it then just hits you and you're like whoa look at what i've done rather than thinking about your next step all the time so i just wanted to take a little moment before we crack on with the rest of the episode to let you know about something that i am super passionate about if you followed me over the last few years you know i've been on an incredible journey i've managed to turn my lifestyle completely around and i've learned so much along the way i've acquired various different tools i've learned from so many different amazing people and I've now managed to create my own wellness brand. I can't even believe it myself. It's called Food for Thoughts, and we are now focusing on four key pillars. Nutrition, fitness, mindset, and connection. These are the four pillars that have got me to this point right now. We have just launched our brand new model in January, and it's gone off to a flyer. We've just signed loads of new members, and it's so beautiful to see everybody thriving at the start of this year trying something new, coming out of the comfort zone. And we've got a team of dedicated coaches and an amazing community that are gonna help everybody get to where they need to get to. So if you're looking for a lifestyle change this year and you wanna be surrounded by like-minded people on the same wave as you, and you wanna have access to regular Zooms with specialist nutri coaches, Zooms with myself, guest speakers such as Oli Ollerton, if you wanna have regular fitness classes online and be part of amazing events on a monthly basis, then Food for Thoughts is for you. It's also for you if you feel like you're stuck in a rut, you're going around in circles, you feel unsupported and you want to make some changes, but you don't know where to turn. This is the perfect one-stop shop to get you started and moving in the right direction. For more information, head over to www.f4t.com and check out the website now. So obviously you've, you've traveled around, you, you're making a name for yourself, you come back to the UK, what mm -hmm. happens then? So come back to the UK and I'd spend, I'd then gone and done like little once hit wonders everywhere. Done, Are you making lots of money at this point? Yeah, I was making money that I have nothing 
to show for. Yeah, yeah. I've heard about um, this. We'll talk about this. Yeah, I, again, imagine being a 19-year-old lad and you were earning hundreds of thousands of pounds. I remember the first time that I got 100 grand in my bank account and I think I must have been about maybe 18, maybe just turning 18. And Jeez. I was like, oh my God, this is insane. <laughs> but then it, it just kept growing. But because I was living this lifestyle that I couldn't afford, I was it was catching up with me. So I'd spend, I'd, I'd earn my money. I remember I'd get paid, say you get paid 40 grand one day. I'd spend it that day. No. No, I, w- I was terrible. How? I, well, I love shoes and bags, Scott. Right, so I've heard um, you, did you used to go to like Selfridges and do like, like used, 20 grand accounts yeah, and stuff? Yeah, I remember. So I've got a personal shopper in um, London she's called Debbie. Love her, she's amazing. I bet she loves you. Oh, yeah, she, <laughs> but I genuinely do love her, but uh, she's, a, she's a, a lovely friend as well, but... I used to go there and again, I used to just think I was, I, I used to spend like a footballer and I definitely yeah. wasn't earning like a footballer. And I'd go in and I'd just buy everything. I, even stuff that I didn't want, I'd be like, yeah, I'll just have it. And I think it was, <laughs> I was trying to um, keep up appearances with myself and maybe even try to prove to other people as well. Do you know, I'm, I'm just not trying to be a therapist here, but do you not think there's an element of, because you come from a working class background mm-hmm. and everything else, like... It's almost, and I've seen it sometimes when I make money, it's almost like, it's like I didn't, yeah. I didn't deserve it. Yeah. So I've got to get rid of it. I think it's also that, but I also think um, it's also in the moment. It's like, oh my God, this might not be here forever. And it's a weird way of looking at it because normally this might not be here forever. So save it. But my mindset was this might not be here forever. So spend it. <laughs> that was, that was the mindset to it. But I've never heard that in my no, life. No, that was genuinely because I was like, oh quick, like it's, it, it, but I think because I was on such a roll as well where I wasn't getting paid like monthly. I was getting paid like every week or every few days because it was so many different jobs that I was doing. So I was like, it's, this is going to go, but it's fine because I've got next payment. Right. So I, it, was, it was a very um, unsustainable way of thinking. It was completely unsustainable. And I would genuinely only say it up until about maybe two years ago when it really hit me and I was like, I need to stop doing this because mm. I'm, I've worked my fucking ass off and I'm absolutely ruining myself and not just in the way of being like, I'm becoming about materialism. It's more so in a way of what I've spent over my life. I could have bought a house. I could have bought a few houses. I could have done anything. Could have done mm. The world was my oyster with all that money, but I've spent it all. So mm. I, it hit me and I was like, I, this isn't making me happy anymore. It was never really making me happy. It was just making me excited in that moment. But do you um, know I think as well? You're obviously so young now. You're, you're 25 now. That's when you start to think about long-term. I always say, if I've got any advice for someone like growing up, like, I mean, I'm 35 now, which is, can't believe I'm 10 years older than you. But I always <laughs> say like, when you get to age of 25, start to switch on a little bit. Yeah. I mean, before that, like you're living in the moment, you're living like, do you know what I mean? For the good times. So I think what you're doing right now is like kind of bang on. I know you've got like Janine, your business yeah. manager and everything else. Like, well, for having future. Janine has been like the, the turnaround for me. And Janine always some, somehow gets a mention on my, um, yes, does, on my podcast she? features. Um, but it but just shows how important that element of your life is. No, it's, it's, life it, it shows, it's really shown me how important it is to have a team. Yeah. And your team can be huge or small, but it's important to have a team that not only wants you to do well, but also wants you to... It's not just about the business side of it. It's about the personal side of it. Mm. So for me, when Janine came into it, I'd always had help with the Made by Mitchell side of it. And my business partner, Marie... She's incredible. I wouldn't have done anything without her. Like she's, mm. she's the ideas she has along with my ideas, them put together is insane. But for me, I was always at a lack of my personal life and my personal control over my life and my saving and my spending. And I'd never had that. Because you don't get, get taught in school though. You don't get taught. And also growing up with parents who, like my dad was on 18 grand a year. Mm. I, I used to make that after one masterclass. Mm. Like it was, you've never 
been like aligned with any kind of path because my mum and dad didn't know what to do. My mum mm. and dad tried help and helped in every way they could, but they, they'd never, they've never even experienced no. anything like that. I don't think my mum and dad had ever seen like a thousand pound in cash. Mm. So how were they meant to actually say, oh yeah, this is what you need to do now. And again, they don't teach it in school. So it's like, it's like that's the system of, were kind of just taught to be in one direction. Whereas I was on the other direction to go on my own journey that was a bit more curated by me. So yeah, I, I didn't have that help and I didn't want to help myself either. Um, but then obviously times do come eventually and you do have to sort your, your shit out. Mm. And I basically, I thought right, I need to stop this. And we, I was actually in Ibiza on a holiday. I thought you were going to say start on a come down then. <laughs> probably that as well. Probably that. That's right. Um, comes, just comes, just yeah. to add to it, just to add to it. And um, Janine was there and we wow. met We met at Blue Marlin and um, that was the day that my life changed. Really? But just because she's given me a person that is authoritative to me. Because before I've never really had to answer to anyone. Yeah. I've always paid my own way. I've, always, I've lived alone since I was 17. Mm. So since being a, an adult, I've never had to really say... I've never had to answer to anyone. Yeah, and that's yeah. not healthy for anyone. Everyone needs someone oh, I to... It. I think everyone needs a Janine. Everyone needs... I say it to everyone. everyone Unfortunately, needs... you're not having her. Yeah. Okay? Everyone needs to be accountable. I even say it to my team sometimes. Mm -hmm. I say, guys, like, I want you to keep me accountable mm -hmm. because I, I need that. I thrive off that. Like, in terms Everyone of, like, needs it. Because I, I don't like to be left to my own devices. Yeah. I'm, I'm not very disciplined with... It's weird. I am disciplined with myself in so many ways, but not when it comes to like finances yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. For whatever reason, I just didn't get taught it. Like, yeah. for, like growing up, like my dad wasn't great with money. Mm -hmm. My mum, like I said, never earned like huge amounts yeah. of money. For now, so it's like you don't get taught it, and I think it's one of the most important life skills. Oh, it's growing it up. Like, but also when you think about it as well, like our parents are from a completely different generation yeah. of kind of like they probably didn't ever want to go on fancy holidays or. By wear fancy clothes. It was never about that. Yeah, it was yeah. about providing for your family in them days, mm -hmm. wasn't it? So, whereas now I think we're a little bit more, we're dreamers. We're a bit more like, yeah. and we dream and we put things into action. Whereas our, my parents, I can't speak for everyone, but my parents had dreams, but they never, they always prioritized the kids um, before themselves. Mm -hmm. Whereas I obviously don't have kids and I am prioritizing myself. But you know, I think that's myself. social media though, because we're being fed this lifestyle all yeah. the time that we're almost, and we're, we're comparing ourselves to some of the biggest stars in the world and we're seeing what they have and we're constantly comparing, maybe chasing that. Yeah, well. and I think that can be really unhealthy at times. But I also think it's, for me, it's it really depends on when you open up your Instagram or TikTok or whatever, mm. it depends where your head's at when you yeah. open that. I open my TikTok with knowing that this is someone else's life. It's not my life and it will never be my life mm. because it's not my life and it's not my journey. So I think because I look at it like that, I can be, I can be happy for someone I can also know that it's it's not a reflection of what I've done in my life but you've got that's a real journey to go on especially mm. when you work on social media as well I've been in that place where I've looked at other people which is why I used to spend so much money like the people that I hung around with like Jeffrey for example like he'd just go in to Louis Vuitton and drop like 250 grand at a time nah. and obviously I couldn't do that at the time but I'd do it in my own way of being like okay maybe I'll do 20. That was what I kind of made my environment to be because I thought, oh, this is what I want to be like. But as I've got older, I've been like, actually, I don't actually care about any of that. It's great to have it. Do I love getting dressed? I love wearing clothes. It can be cheap clothes. It can be expensive clothes. I loved, I just love clothes. But it can it, be intoxicating, you know, when you're spending really time. Can. I've got some really wealthy friends and I love mm -hmm. spending time. But, when, but by the time I come home, I, feel, I end up feeling shit about myself yeah. and it's not their fault. No, of course. Uh, that it's is, intoxicating. It's, and I do think this is like where we sometimes go wrong with, where we get social media wrong because 
I think it's obviously different with kids and stuff and being under a certain age. That's obviously needs to be safeguarded in a way. Mm. But I think as you get older, you do have a responsibility to yourself to also like realize when you're allowing yourself to be affected by this person's lifestyle mm. like, or what they might put on social media. Like we should all know social media is not 100% real. 100%. We should all know that. Like, yeah. But obviously not everyone does. And it, it depends where you're at in your life. And that's completely a journey that we all have to go on. But I think that's a lot of, it's our own responsibility to know when to switch it off as well. Mm. You can't just, this is, I see so many people on socials, even our friends probably that get flack for like showing what they're doing and showing their achievements. And I'm like, right, I, I don't know whether people's, anger towards that achievement like is a a reflection on what you're feeling at that time or whether it is actually because you're it's interesting not, not happy for them because some days i know i go on instagram and i find it so easy to comment over people's stuff and when i'm in a good place like a really good place, i've had a good day and everything mm -hmm. else and i've noticed myself doing i'm going wow you like you've got more energy to give to everybody else when yeah. you're feeling good about yourself literally but like there's days when obviously we'll never put anything bad but i notice myself where my reaction to it is slightly different because I'm not yeah, feeling good about myself. So and, about and that's also completely human as well. Yeah. Like we we are not like these bundles of energy that like just are always positive. Mm. We we can get jealous. We can, them are all normal feelings and it really does just depend on where your head's at that day mm. or where your heart's at or what's gone on in that week. Like I, I of course I look at things and I'm sometimes like, <laughs> you don't deserve that but but uh, that isn't my honest feeling that's that it's a, a sense of like bitterness that's come from within which yeah, yeah. isn't healthy either but I, I always like to just be open and honest about that because yeah i think it's, it's you're aware of it yeah aware, you've got to be aware like, of i know it. when i'm being a bit of a hater or something yeah. like, i'm aware of it i'll just check myself. it makes me feel worse about yeah. myself if anything it does in the moment i'm like oh yeah i'm whatever i'm feeling how i'm feeling yeah. and afterwards i'm like Actually, why, why, why have I just felt like that? Like, it's, actually, has nothing to do with me. I have no right to really even feel that way. That is interesting. Um, but talk to me then about. So, obviously, you were making all this money, you were doing all these tours, and then you got to the point where you hit, hit rock bottom. How did all that lead to you launching Made by Mitchell? Well, so I'd already launched Made by Mitchell. Right. That's fine. Who was in the first? We launched October 2020. We'd worked on it for a year before, so a lot of the um, process of it was during lockdown. We'd got it up and running. We had a really successful launch. And then I'd probably say it, within about six months, I was just like so uninspired by life at that point. Mm. Um, I think it probably was because I was coming out of this time of I'd spent all my money. I probably at the time thought starting a business would be like quick money, which yeah. it's not. Um, <laughs> so then when to that harsh realization came of being like, oh God, what am I going to do now? I was like, what do I do? And not that I'm like encouraged by money. Obviously we all have that in us, but it wasn't about that. It was more so just about like, I'm not seeing a, a quick turnaround like I always quick used to return, see. Yeah. So does this mean that this isn't a successful? But that, again, that's just, it's a different setup of business. Whereas before I was doing um, quick things. So it was like, I'd do a masterclass, I'd get paid that, that next week. Whereas this, it's it's way more long-term. Um, it's, so inter it's interesting you say this because I know um, it made by Mitchell had a, a really strong start and then it kind of died off for a yeah, bit. Yeah, we, we, we plateaued for a little bit where um, we'd, we'd basically, again, I fell out of love with the brand. The, I think the brand fell out of love with me. It was just, it was a bit of like a, it was just a lost, lost brand at the time. But I think we've proven just when you're, when you're lost, it doesn't mean you can't be found. Because then I'd probably say about a year and a half in, one of the girls that work at Made by Mitchell Gab, amazing, she came in and she said, we need to start TikTok. 
this was maybe two years ago, actually. We need to start TikTok. I hated TikTok at the time. I was like, this is not for me. It's just a load of kids dancing. I can't dance. I can just work <laughs> when I've had a drink. Um, but I was like, it's just not for me. Anyway, I listened to her because I think everyone on the team has to, we're all equal, and everyone has to have that chance to be able to prove something to everyone else. Whereas if one person is just saying, no, 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 how, how are we ever going to grow? We, can, it, we might not have hated it, but how would we ever know? So I opened my mind up and we did it and we never looked back because it's just been the most crazy journey. I think we started at the right time as well, right time, right place, because we started as TikTok shops started to be a thing. So I remember our first live that we did where it's like a bit like a QVC kind of thing. Is this hosted uh, by you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So I was doing the live, but again, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Never really done anything like that before. And at the time we were probably doing maybe 20 orders a month, which is... Looking back, I'm like, oh my God, that gives me severe anxiety. But we were doing it and we were just we just kept going, kept going. Um, and then we'd done 20 orders on this live. We did a two-hour live, done 20 orders. And we were like, me and Gab, we were like, oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> and again, looking back, I'm like, if only I knew what it was about to turn into. But again, buzzing. It's that optimism, isn't it, that you've mm. got to have. So then we kept going, kept going, kept going. The following grew. And as the following grew, the sales grew. Um, and then we, I'd probably say about six months ago, it was um, summer um, last year, 2023. One week we was like, we want to do $2 million in a week. Obviously TikTok is in dollars. So we just, we went for it. We went hell for leather and we, we smashed it. And um, we actually just got an award the other day from TikTok and we're TikTok's number one brand of 2023, wow. which is insane from going from 20. TikTok's number one brand. TikTok's number one brand. Uh, going from 20 orders to then I looked at our stats um, the other day and we've sold over, when it all comes down to it with like bundles and stuff, sold over 3 million units on TikTok alone. And again, from, from 20 orders, it just shows you how quick things can turn around. It's not easy. Like I literally am sometimes live 12 hours a day. So it's, it's very demanding. You're live 12 hours a day? Not as much anymore. But that, during that time of where we did the $2 million and all that, it was so much dedication. But again, it's, you've got to put the work in to, to get the reward uh, out of it. I've got, I've got goosebumps. I've got so many questions here from a fellow like business owner, because mm -hmm. business is tough, right? Mm -hmm. It is relentless. And I was a little bit like you. I used to throw parties for a living. I used to turn up on a Thursday night. You used to get paid a load of cash. I was a young lad. Mm -hmm. So I was just used to earning money so easily. When you go into business, it's a different ball yeah, game, it is. right? It's, 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 it's two ends of the spectrum. Yeah, and it's relentless. But one thing I'm really interested there is because there's so many times that you could quit in business, mm -hmm. like so many times where you go, is this worth it? Like, I mean, you've fallen out of love with the brand mm -hmm. that you mentioned everything else. Like at that moment there where you could have you could have gone, you know what, is this right? Like what was the that point where you found that resilience to carry on? Like, was, there a, was it the TikTok shout from, was it Gab or what was the bit? I'll be honest, it was Gab, yeah. Because yeah. I, I I remember me and Marie, my business partner, she, again, who has literally kept, she's been like the rock of the of the brand. Mm. We had a conversation and we were like, what, what are we actually doing with this? Like, before we order more stock and before we take this further, do we actually still want to do this? Like, mm. so that conversation was had. And but when she asked you that question, like, uh, oh she, no! I think uh, maybe that was the turning point. I was going to say because when she had, think, she's basically saying, "Are you in this?" Well, I think that's probably when it felt real because I remember being like, "No, this is my dream. Like, this yeah. is what I want." And now that you've said that, that makes so much more sense. But I think when it became more of um, how we could keep it going, that was when Gab said it. So Marie probably put, put all the cards on the table. And went, she Mitchell, put the, do you put want the seed this? in my head? And then we Gab grew the plant. So yeah. it was. It was that kind of thing. But, um, but even I mean, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so interested because I'm just wanting to get to this point. When she says to you, like, 
like, do you want this? You've got to then think like, put all the stress to one side. Mm-hmm. Like, did you realize then and go, no, do you know what? This is my passion. Oh yeah. And I think I, I, I literally remember sitting in, uh, in Marie's office at the time. And again, it was, it wasn't like a harsh conversation or anything. Mm-hmm. It was, it was a very honest conversation just as we do. And it was just kind of like, she said it. And I was like, it was like, it was like I'd like had a panic attack or something and I was just like, and that's kind of just how it came out. I was like, no, no, I I really want this. But I probably hadn't had that urgency in me for a good maybe year until that moment. You might have been used to throwing your toys out the pram and going, yeah, this isn't like, but when someone actually goes, no, no. Someone puts it on the line and it's like, oh no, actually I want it. And yeah, thank God. And that might have been the changing point and the turning point, which maybe maybe made a difference in the business. Because it, well, definitely. And again, I, I I actually forgot that conversation, but that, then you bringing that up, it doesn't. It just brings back loads of memories, doesn't it? When you talk about these things, oh, I'm pissed off as well. You know, because TikTok. So many people brought TikTok into my office. Like when it first started, you need to get onto it. This mm-hmm. and that, and it's so hard to kind of be the first ones to do something. Like, yeah. Because like you said, at the time when TikTok first came out, it was just a load of kids dancing mm-hmm. and everything else. You can never really see, but it sounds like whoever this Gab is, by the way, she sounds amazing. Oh, she's the I best. Need, she's need, a genius. I need to meet her. But to be innovative like that mm-hmm. and take the first step in something and, and for you to give her the chance to do that as well and you go with it, like that, those are the defining moments. I think that though is kind of how I've always been. Like even one-to-ones, for example, even though it's on a much smaller scale, I was mm. that first person mainly in Manchester to actually be like, right, let's do one-to-one lessons. I was definitely the first makeup artist in from the UK yeah. to do a Latin America tour. So it's, it's, it is, I, I like being the first one to do something mm. because I like paving the way for people that come after me, especially mm. young lads that are doing makeup or even young, any young people that mm. feel like they don't belong in a certain category of people. There shouldn't really be categories of people, but it's just like we, that is society, isn't it? But mm. I think that's kind of always the in the back of my head as well. Like I can, how is what I'm doing now going to affect the next Mama Mitchell or the next Made by Mitchell? How how will that open the door for that? And even with TikTok as well, um, one of our other um, members, um, Sarah, who work at Made by Mitchell, she basically built the back end of TikTok shop. Wow. Um, and because we were the first one, they were so open to us giving them things that help the the seller. Mm. Um, so again, even even in that, the whole brand <laughs> is based upon not just helping ourselves, but helping others. And it's it's really true what they say. When you, what you put out, you get back. And mm. it's it's worked in our corner massively. Like mm. even the, the $2 million thing. And obviously that's- Can we talk about the $2 million? Right. right. So you sat at your office, right? Mm-hmm. Made by Mitchell. And you go, right, today, guys, we're going to set ourselves a target to make mm-hmm. $2 million uh, yeah. in two weeks. Like where does that figure come from and why? We just have these kind of weird, <laughs> kind of crazy goals. That, and I think it's, it's again, it's kind of that moment of being like, right, let's go do it. It's sometimes just dropped on us. And um, it was a conversation we had with TikTok and we was like, right, we can do it. Um, but again, I remember posting about it and so many people were like, oh my God, Lendl's a tenner. I'm like, listen, <laughs> that two million, obviously nice. people that don't work in, in business wouldn't understand it because I wouldn't have understood it either. I have not seen any of that $2 million. That goes straight back into the business. Mm. It goes on building the team again. It goes on the next round of stock. It's... It's an amazing achievement, obviously, but it's it's not profit. Mm. And I think that's what sometimes people forget. So that's, I'm, I like saying this as well, because me posting that was not 
to be like, oh, look what I've done. It's it's about saying like, right, this is the next step for our brand. We've just done this in such a short space of time. And this has opened so many doors for my brand mm -hmm. and my dream as well. Mm -hmm. And this means that we can now go bigger, better. And even when we did um, the Manchester pop-up, did you see that it's when we did class, it in the Arndale? Yeah. That was a big part of that. Like even us having, being able to create such a custom stand for that and that all costs money. Mm -hmm. And that all came from that. So mm -hmm. it's all about putting it back in and reinventing it, not just putting it back in to just have the same stock and the same ideas. It's about, right, we've got this big chunk of, I guess, cash right now. That's how you look at it. What can we do with it? What, Where can we put it so then it benefits us and takes us to the next level? And wow. that's kind of what we did with you it the entire way. I'm so way. impressed, Mitchell, because there's a lot of people who are in this industry who are kind of just the face of brands. Mm -hmm. But just hearing you speak then, you've got such good business acumen and you understand it and it's quite impressive. And uh, Well, like, again, like it's not, I can't lie, I'm not going to sit in and say that's always been the case, but I, 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 no, but only, only recently, mm -hmm. I, but I, and again, it's, it doesn't come easy and I want people to know that because it's not just a straightforward thing. And bit like, I didn't even know what turnover, revenue, profit meant a few months ago. I was like, what does this mean? But then obviously when you're, start, when the business starts to build and it, it starting to earn more money it's like well let me take a step back and actually educate myself and obviously that's when Janine comes in you can only learn by doing it though and like even yeah to of this, course even to this day I'm still getting mad around that and tax and everything else it's, oh just, it's a minefield Hate but it, it sounds like with you you know your skill set you know where your best place you are the creative you are the person that brings the brand to life and I'm a little bit like that in terms of I know my skills. I'm good at like building communities, mm -hmm. bringing people together, whether it's throwing parties or doing walks in the countryside. But I need like good operators around me. It sounds like with this Marie, mm -hmm. that's what you found. Oh, she's like, again, we're, we're like the dynamic duo. That's what I like to call it because yeah. we both bring two completely different assets. Mm. Um, mine is creative. It's community. It's um, idea, the network. That's my um, profession. That's what I'm best at. But she brings ideas as in, right, what do we do with this stock? What stock do we need to get in? Will this stock fit here or will it fit here? She she's done this for years. She's a very very successful woman in her in her world and in the world of cosmetics. She's mm. she's built so many brands over the years and I'm just so lucky that I got mm. to to meet her. I actually met her. I did a collab with um with P Louise years ago and um she, at the time Marie was creating the product for Paige. So I met her through that mm. and me and Paige, like we don't, we, we just don't really see each other anymore. But I will always be grateful to Paige for that connection because mm. without that collaboration that we did, I would have never met Marie. And Marie has changed my life in mm. millions of ways. And yeah, very, I'm, yeah. I'm honored that she picked me to to work with because I've learned so much from her. Yeah, it's it amazing. sounds like with you, Mitchell, and I think you're a big advocate of this now. It's like you're quite open to asking for help where the young Mitchell seems to be a, be a bit oh, of a yeah. lone ranger. Well, you travel in the world. You learn quickly when you don't have, have any help. And yeah. it's not because you don't have it, it's because you've not asked for it. Mm. Um, but now, yeah, I'm, I'm an open book now. And I'm, I also like to always big up the really powerful women around me. Like whether it's Marie, whether it's my mum, whether it's Janine, Gab, Bella, like there's so many people, especially women around me mm. that have literally put me on the path that I am on mm. right now. And I, I plan to take them all the way I with me. I like that as well. I like to be mothered. Yeah, I, 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 I like to be mothered. I like to have powerful women around me. I like all Janine, my mum, to be fair. Yeah, like, that's what I've had my, about. My mum. I've had about 12 mums in my lifetime. Yeah, I just like literally. to be mothered like that. I like to be supported like that. Yeah. But it sounds like, obviously, Made by Mitchell now is a global brand. It's turning over millions. Like, you're TikTok's number one brand. Crazy. Which is mad. And then you've got your own pop-ups in Harrods. What's that like when you're walking into Harrods and your brand in the most prestigious store yeah, it's, in London. It's crazy because it's it's not just even about being in Harrods. Obviously, that's an achievement in itself, but it's also being 
as a social media brand that isn't always taken seriously, you're all of a sudden around all the biggest brands in the world. Like mm. you're next to Charlotte Tilbury, you're next to Kylie Cosmetics, you're next to Mac, all these things, Laura Mercier, Nas. And it does, it makes you think like, I can, I can be up here. And once upon a time, I was the one buying from all these brands, mm. still do to this day. But now my brand is right next to them. So it does, it really does um, open up your mind to what is possible. It really does. You've basically achieved so much now. And I think mm -hmm. you're at that point now where you're starting to look back and appreciate how far you've come. But for me, something that I'm always working on is like, what does success actually mean to me? Because I I got brought up in this hustle culture world. And like I said, I've got a lot of successful friends. And I, I thought that I wanted to chase millions of pounds and I wanted to live in this big mansion and all these things. But in actual fact, like... I'd probably live the same life that I'm living now. Like mm -hmm. the weekends, I'd just probably take my dog out, grab a, a Buzzy Bee cookie from Wilmsville yeah, yeah. and just have a little walk around the local park. Like I don't actually need all these mad things. So where are you up to now? Like in terms of what you're chasing, what does success mean to you? Well, I think it's what you just said then. It's about need and it's about want. And what do we actually need mm. as human beings? We don't, we don't need really nothing. We need mm. support. We need connection. We need a bit of love. That's literally all we need. Mm. Um, so... I think for me, I have like different success goals in different avenues of my life. For me, I want to build uh, Made by Mitchell to be one of the biggest brands in the world because I know with our team, we can make it that because there's nothing like us. Um, and I want to I want to impact as many people as we can. Again, coming from that aspect of being a, a brand that maybe little gay boys see themselves in, which are, again, for me, like I'm always such a big, a big advocate on being inclusive. I want to make sure black girls that buy makeup can see themselves in my brand. And any marginalized people, that is what I want. And there's marginalized people all over the world. Mm. So I want to be as big as possible for that reason. So there's a stop for everyone, you know, mm. there's a place for everyone. So in that sense, I want to be huge. I want Made by Mitchell to be huge. And I know it will be huge. But for myself personally, Again, it's, I'm a bit like you in that sense where I used to think, oh, I want to be a millionaire, I want to be this, I want to be that. And you come into money and you come out of money and you realize that when I had money and when I didn't have money, I was probably deep down the same level of happiness because happiness doesn't come from that. It just it, it, Happiness isn't about what you've got in your bank account or how many houses you own. That's, it gives structure to your life, of course, but it's just not that. So I think my personal success ambition is just to be as level-headed in life as I can be, to enjoy what I enjoy, to enjoy going on holidays, see the world, experience culture, but also just come back home mm. every now and then. I was gonna and say, I was, come back to my mum, come back to my dad, and that's my success. I was just going to say to you, when are you happiest? Talk to me about your happiest moment. Oh, this, it depends on what kind of week I've had. Um, <laughs> Sometimes with the margarita in my hand, that's when I'm happiest. Um, but I, I, do you know what? Truly, I am happiest when I'm with my mum. Right. Yeah, oh, mum and my dad. I just, I just look at them and I think I'm so grateful for what you have given me because I wouldn't be the person I am today without yours. And now that I'm in a position where I look after them, I, that just gives, it kind, probably kind of like when, when I was a baby, they'd look at me and be like, I've created this. <laughs> um, but I look back, I look at them and they're just like these cute little people and... <laughs> That it does make me so happy. And I, I sometimes look at my mum and dad and I genuinely could cry because I just love them. But yeah, I probably am my happiest when I'm with them because they're all you ever need. Mm. All you ever need, especially 
the kind of parents they are as well. They just they just want me to do well. Amazing. And I want them to be on my journey with and, me. And you're quite uh, fortunate. A little bit like me, like both my businesses are kind of extensions of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that makes it a lot easier to carry mm-hmm. on driving forward. But what advice would you give to a young individual now who, or anyone actually who wants to start a business? Like, um, what would be your number one tip? I would say it's, there's three things. Okay. You've got to have an, an, an idea. Your idea's got to be something new and fresh. You've got to have passion for the idea. The passion is about being obsessed with the idea until it becomes something. And then after that, it's about patience as well. For me, it's like it doesn't happen overnight. And this is something I've learned myself, even when we started Made by Mitchell. I really genuinely thought I'd be a millionaire overnight. <laughs> Promise it did not happen that way. Still hasn't happened that way. Mm. But I thought it's about the patience for me. It's about not just like giving up on the first hurdle and being like, that. okay, I, I still see that something can happen here. So I think when you break it down into more simple terms like that, instead of just being like, oh, you've just got to chase your dreams, you've just got to be yourself, which is all really important. But I think when you're actually giving business advice to someone, it has to be, there has to be a strategy to it. It can't just be quite blase. So find your idea, fall in love with it, and then just wait, but work at the same time. And be obsessed. And be obsessed. I love that. I'm going to take so much from that. Mitchell, honestly, you did not disappoint me. Amazing conversation. I took so much from that. And you're amazing, man. You got me a bit emotional at certain points. You're so wise for a 25-year-old, man. Like, literally, if I had my head on my shoulders at your age, like, you are going to to big places. So, well done, Thank you, Scott. Thank you for having me. Legend, man. Thank you. Honestly, I was just taken back by Mitchell's wisdom. He's just 25 and he's achieved so much, but he's learned so many life lessons along the way. And today, we've got a massive glimpse into the journey that he's been on. And I think one of the biggest things that he's learned is that it's okay to ask for help and have the right people around you. From an early age, he seemed to be quite a lone ranger, traveling the world on his own, and he must have grown so much. And I think that's where his self-confidence comes from. But now that he wants to go to the next level, he's brought the right people in, whether it's Marie, whether it's Janine, he's just got a team of people around him now who are kind of helping him build the foundations to go to the next level in life. So I think that's something that I took a lot from. It's like, make sure that you don't try and take too much on. You surround yourself with good people and just stay humble. He stays so grounded, so close to his mum and dad as well, which is just beautiful to see. A great conversation and I took so much from it, so I hope you did too. If you've got any takeaways from the podcast, please tag me at scott.thomas. And I've also got an Instagram page now for learning as I go. It's learning as I go pod underscore on Instagram. Please follow the page and yeah, keep your DMs coming. And I will be back next week with another life lesson with learning as I go. This podcast was produced by Purposeful Podcasts.